This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action to create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in this tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This week, I'll be speaking with Bria Starmer. Bria is the founder of Lions and Tigers, a marketing and strategy consultancy, building a bridge to the future of work. In 2018, Bria started the firm in response to a need she identified as a senior consultant and mom of two young boys. Flexible, fractional, high-impact work. Her team of 50-plus serve clients like Microsoft and Google. Bria, a leader in the space for 15 years, started her career at Microsoft in partner channel marketing and business strategy. She later grew a global staffing firm from startup to 120 consultants with $16 million in revenue in four years. An alum of Washington State University, she sits on the marketing advisory board at Carson College of Business. Bria is most passionate about helping people thrive in their highest and best use through courageous action. When she's not with her boys, you can find Bria living the Lions and Tigers mission from her backyard she shed office outside of Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the show, Bria. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. Great. Let's get started. So, Bria, you have an amazing, very, very successful background in business. Can you share with us how you got started and what that journey looks like and how you got to where you are today? Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. So I graduated from Washington State University and I headed into Microsoft as my first job. So I started as a marketing manager there. Um, and because of my family roots, uh, I felt really compelled to go and experience some entrepreneurship uh, journeys. And so I left after about five years to go and join a staffing firm that I scaled from startup to about 120 consultants in four years. That was a fascinating run. And then I wanted to go and experience other business models. I wanted to see how a traditional digital agency worked. I wanted to go to a startup life. Um, and so I really went and tested kind of around town to see how these various business models were operating. Um, and once I got to that startup, um, that's really where my progressive career trajectory ended. Um, two months into my time there, I found out that I was pregnant with my first son mm -hmm. and five months later, I found out that I was to be laid off in a massive mm. riff. And so that experience was um, life-changing. It 
you know, I was completely scared. Mm -hmm. Um, my husband was in a brand new job and so we didn't even have medical benefits for my upcoming birth. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't saved for a maternity leave and really my biggest fears were realized at that moment. I had become Mm -hmm. unhirable. And so I did the only thing that I could do and I turned myself into a consultant. (laughs) Um, and so I really, I hustled for 12 weeks and, that kind of grit and determination that motherhood throws you into truly changed who I was and the mission that I was on up until that point. And so I worked as a consultant for a few years. Um, and after a while, I really felt called to teach others how to do this work because this life has been so amazing for me. It's been, it's allowed me to do the work that I love and at the pace that I choose. And so I really wanted to create a change that I wanted to see in the market and something that I couldn't find when I was unemployed and seven months pregnant. And so I wanted to build a business that wasn't solely focused on a revenue model, but rather we focused it on a business model based on inclusion and flexibility. We reward highly skilled talent and we don't require full-time or long-term commitment from our staff. So it's a different kind of model the name of my company is Lions and Tigers. And I founded that in the first month of my second pregnancy um, Mm -hmm. to my second son. Um, And so we build um, a flexible freelance model. That's really the the core of the business. And I've been asked a lot about the name Lions and Tigers. Um, And that name comes from one of the greatest female stories of all time from the Wizard of Oz. Um, Because to me, the courageous mission we're all on is what I call upon when I think about this kind of future of work and working in a way that is a lot more fearless than what we may have experienced in the past. And so that's what I've set out to build. I love it. So fascinating. And just your journey, you know, to get you where you are today had its ups and downs, like, you know, all journeys do, uh, both in business as an entrepreneur, as well as, you know, as an employee. And to just, you know, pick it up from its bootstraps and say, I'm going to make this work. I, you know, have this grit and hustle to get where you need to get to is amazing. I love that. And I love the Lions and Tigers name. Um, And fearless is a great word because women just need to be more fearless and have more confidence and not think about every detail that could go wrong before we jump in with both feet. Yes, I love that, Jennifer. And that's, you know, for me, fearless is not a destination. Like, I don't ever think I'm going to be completely fearless. That would be probably setting myself up for failure. But I think of fearlessness as a bit of a practice, kind of like yoga. Like, you don't get, you're not great at yoga at any point in your life. (laughs) You work on it for your whole life. And to me, courage and fearlessness and living kind of an authentic life, it just, it takes a lifetime to achieve. Um, and so I feel like I'm definitely a step closer in the last few years. And that's the kind of model I want other people to experience. That's great. Um, and I know from owning my own business, um, you know, you have to take risks. You have to believe in that vision that you see and then just go for it. And nine out of 10 times we might fail, but that one time can be really, really 
uh, astronomical in our careers. So you have to try. You do. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes, it takes sponsorship. It takes seeing people who have done it ahead of you sometimes to draw the kind of inspiration that you need to feel like you can go off and do it on your own too. So I, I, I like this flexible freelance model. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I can. Um, you know, for me, you know, I think that um, it, flexible freelance to me is, is a concept that unlocks a, a talent pool that previously was inaccessible. And so I think what I've done here is I found a bit of a sweet spot in an underserved market. And I would say mm -hmm. our rapid growth is a testament to that. Mm -hmm. But what we found was kind of a mutually unmet need for organizations and individuals. And that's what we solve and that's flexibility. And so we think of flexibility as a strategic advantage, not as an accommodation, which is kind of flipping on its head the way that traditional employee or employment relationships work. And so what do we mean by that? We think about from an individual basis that you might work more or less overtime when and how you need given your life right now. And for brands that they can pick up and change talent as their needs change. And really this flexibility concept, you know, of course this is, I built this something that I needed in my own life, but I went to the market to validate this idea. And I centralized on this idea of flexibility for a couple of reasons. One, um, there's been recent studies, of course, that 96% of employees say that they need flexibility, and yet only 42% of them have it. Like the, the gap in flexibility is huge. And more than that, that there 60% of women who leave full-time jobs cite needing more flexibility or childcare is the main reason. Mm -hmm. And so to me, this is a talent loss. This is a significant change in the talent makeup who are, are the people who are going to be solving these problems um, or the business challenges of the future. And so, you know, for me, this is about keeping talent in the building when they need to. Um, I have a gal that works with me. Her name is Brenda. And uh, she calls herself a, a corporate dropout. Um, Brenda <laughs> was uh, working for a large tech firm here in the Seattle area, and she's a pretty gifted product manager. She was on a team of 70 people. There were two women and one parent in that group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she just wanted to see her kid's soccer game at 4.30 in the afternoon, and that was really counterculture. And, you know, the working world would have lost her in the previous model. Today, she works for me 25 hours a week, and she's teaching a team of product marketers how to how to market um, for a very large brand here in this area and and we wouldn't have had her otherwise. And so my biggest encouragement for brands is to think of this um, not as a time only to turn inward, but as a time to listen to customers, partners, employees, to forge that path forward and to consider who's available in the world who might unblock these big challenges or even just lighten your load right now because there's talent available that wants to work with you. That is so interesting. It's challenging some of my thoughts right now. <laughs> you know, when you talk about flexibility, we are so flexible for our customers, but we don't have that internal model as much as I would like it to, to see it. Um, so it's really interesting that gap. When you talk about that gap, you know, flexibility is a huge 
uh, piece of the puzzle why customers actually choose us because we are flexible with them. We do it the way they want it. You know, it's their way. Um, but could definitely practice more of that internally with um, with employees as well. So I love, love, love your thinking on on that. It's it's very um, advanced, and also I think of it kind of like the Uber model, right? Um, where every time I ride an Uber, I talk to the drivers, and they're always saying we love this because we can work when we want, and some weekends we work like. 12 hours a day, 15 hours a day. And other times we're just, you know, not able to get out. And you've created this model in corporate that uh, gives them that flexibility. Yeah, I think that's right, Jennifer, that, you know, we're, we're really opening up this virtual boardroom in a way that previously was unaccessible or not even considered. You know, organizations have pretty powerful talent that sit in their building. And before coronavirus hit, I mean, before all of this, we were already studying studying trends about people moving to freelance or gig work. And it was predicted that by 2027, more than 50% of American workers would be freelance, which already is a shocking stat. Mm -hmm. I mean, to think that half of your workforce is going to be unaccessible to you as a full-time employee. But now, I mean, as of just, you know, April, we have 23 million people out of work. 15% of Americans are out of work. Mm -hmm. So the kind of talent revolution that, you know, I was, you know, talking about two years ago once we started this, it has rapidly evolved. You know, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, just said that we've experienced two years of digital transformation in two months. Mm -hmm. So the whole world, the way in which we procure ideas has shifted. And so to think about opening this virtual boardroom up um, to talented folks that sit out just outside of your building really will um, transform the way in which brands evolve and, and thrive in this new world of work. So yeah, the, so that, that really brings me to asking you to share a little more with our listeners, your thoughts of the future of work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're recording this podcast while sheltered in place. So the future of work has changed so dramatically that brands are now trying to think about how to market and bring along the audiences in an unfamiliar, virtual, culturally unmarketable to an uncertain time. So the conversations have changed quite dramatically. We know that so many people are out of work and available, and those that are currently working are working more, that the average work week has, in, has increased. Sheryl Sandberg just uh, had an article last week, and she talked about women doing the double-double shift, which is household work, homeschooling, and their day jobs. So the intensity of work right now has just really changed for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so my forecast is that we'll start to see this this change toward skills shift work. And if you think of shift work, you think of it in terms of, you know, people lining up production based on, high, you know, times that are, are most efficient. And I think that same trend is going to apply to skills work. So instead of us thinking about Face time in office. We've just now gone through a global experiment of work from home and remote work and having people focus on impact over hours. Mm -hmm. And to me, we've just, we're in the middle of one of the most interesting case studies of how to work in this new world that we will ever see. And so 
I actually am really grateful for some of the lessons that will come out of this experience. Now, I will say as a mom at home with a four and a half year old and a one and a half year old, um, this is not normal work from home work. So I would love to acknowledge that too, that although this is giving us some trends and insights, um, certainly we'll we'll need to go back to a place where childcare is in a place um, that caretakers can resume work in in a normal way. And from the talent side, people are starting to see a taste of this freelance lifestyle. Um, And so I think what we will see is a lot more advocacy for human-centered businesses, businesses that are not solely focused on profit and product, but that bring along this level of human empathy that we're seeing right now. And I hope that that's a trend that sticks. That's great. Um, Impact over hours. I think that's a very powerful statement that I've always believed for many, many years. Um, Many years ago, we had um, somebody on our team that just talked the entire day, but then he would spend time at night till eight or nine o'clock at night working. And he wanted the acknowledgement that he's working so many hours and the impact was just not realized because he did not, you know, do what he needed to do when he needed to do it. And I always said, you know, just get it done. That's the main (laughs) thing. Impact over hours. I love that. Um, So tell me more about your vision of the next normal. I know new normal is something that a lot of people don't like those words, but the next normal, um, what, what do you see? Yeah. So I think we should start to think about what we're replacing because the table stakes have changed so much. Work that used to focus on these outcomes for businesses, they really left this void for people in the workplace where humanity and empathy were lost. And so I will disclaim, Jennifer, that I'm an optimist. So (laughs) I, you know, we're starting to see this softening of messages and market. We're seeing a workplace that has returned us to the family dinner table. Mm -hmm. And this next normal that focuses on the human element that has been lost is really actually fairly encouraging because um, what is happening is that we're all going back to our values. We're all going back to why did we start this business in the first place? What do our customers and stakeholders really need? And what values should we use to make those decisions? Um, Because what we're seeing is companies make decisions in such fast iteration, no more annual plans. I mean, Mm -hmm. we are talking three week sprints for decision-making now. (laughs) Um, So agility is just tested in such a different way. So for me, the next normal will account for more of that whole person at work and as a result, provide greater organizational clarity, which are two elements that can lead to an increase in productivity in the workplace. And I see that happening in so many organizations now that productivity has increased where they never, never thought they could do what they're doing today. And one example is if you look at the Small Business Administration, how many loans and how much, um, how many dollars they have provided to small businesses um, with the IDLE and, and PPP loans, and they've done it in record time. You know, things that would take months and months are now taking days, and it's just they never thought they could do it, you know, with that kind of speed and accuracy. So it's very interesting to see how things are changing. That's right. 
Yeah. I mean, it, all of my clients are saying, well, why can't we work this fast all the time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, just look at every brand um, bringing messages to market. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw coronavirus sensitive commercials within 10 days of this mm-hmm. thing being in market. We're seeing manufacturing completely change their production lines. We're seeing human centered giving, keen giving footwear to frontline workers. We're seeing Brands like Microsoft and Google give incredible amounts of sick time to their employees. We're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, just a, a a way of work, a way of loving each other that, you know, I think is going to transform our culture forever. That's great. Um, restaurants is another example, you know, how, yes. how they've adapted to takeout service and, you know, just try to stay alive. And so, you know, I think back to your comment about being pregnant and not having insurance. And when you have to do it, you put your heart, mind, soul, sweat, blood, tears, all of that into it. And it works because you know, this failure is not an option. So I think everybody in this crisis has felt that way and just moved, you know, at lightning speeds. Yeah, that's right. It, it, I do love that word grit. I come back to it all the time. Mm -hmm. My team talks about it a lot um, because it does sort of summarize the kinds of uh, passion and the kind of work that can happen when you're under such duress. I always say I founded this business under duress uh, Mm -hmm. because I was discriminated against and I couldn't find what I needed in the market. And so I felt like I had to do this um, as a, as a public service. Um, But (laughs) now everyone is in the same sort of shared community of, of, um, of duress and and everyone everyone's experience is very different. There are certainly folks that have more privilege than others, and so we have to of course recognize that. But certainly, you know, we think empathy is a life skill that everyone should demonstrate. And now we're being called to the mat with that all day long. Very true. Very true. So, being a woman in tech, can you share with us some of the challenges you face? and then how you overcame them, because you work so closely with tech organizations and uh, working with technology. I'm sure you've had some challenges along the way. So for our listeners, it would be great to kind of understand that journey of challenges and what you've done to overcome them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I shared with you that, you know, I was laid off in my third trimester and faced pregnancy discrimination as Mm -hmm. I tried um, to be hired in the market. I was actually told by a vice president for a role I was hiring for that their hiring process takes four months, which is convenient given that I was due in three. And so... (laughs) You know, um, I've certainly had my moments where um, where I questioned my place, um, but I've also had some really strong male allies. The first client to hire me as a pregnant consultant was my friend Keith. Um, I didn't know him at the time. Now we're friends. He's still a client of Lions and Tigers, and he took a bet on me as I waddled into my interview, and I worked for him for 11 weeks until I took time off, and then I came back and, and continued to work with him. And so... For me now, I'm on a mission to end this fearlessness problem that we all have Mm -hmm. because I've been low. I understand what it means to dig out and to build a path for myself. And because of that work, I've been able to give more than two and a half million dollars in economic opportunity in the past two years to the community of lions and tigers. Mm -hmm. And that's another important thing for brands to consider who they're partnering with. 
because our clients know that when they spend their money with us, that our community is 75% female, we're Mm -hmm. 77% parents, and this community needs advocates. Um, You know, for every child that a woman has, she will lose 5% of her pay to her male counterparts. Mm -hmm. So I feel really passionate about advocating for this community, but at the same time, it's not just parents, you know, flexibility is a need that everybody has. Um, my, my managing director, Terry came to join me because he was running for Seattle city council and he needed to go handshake from four to seven o'clock every day. And his previous employer wasn't flexible enough um, to let him do that. And so for me, I mean, what an advantage to have a staff member engaged in civic conversation as a part of his day. I mean, I just feel privileged to get to enable that. Um, So to me, you know, flexibility and fearlessness are human rights, and that's what we want to enable. That's great. So I know everyone, you know, about a couple years ago was talking about recurring revenue. Um, I used to say this many, many years ago, I'd like to make money in my sleep (laughs) so that I don't have to constantly be reinventing the wheel. Uh, But recurring revenue has become huge now with subscription models. And I'd love to hear more about uh, talent as a service, which is kind of a new way to work. Okay, well, when you figure out how to make money in your sleep, Jennifer, (laughs) I want to read that book. (laughs) Because that certainly doesn't feel quite yet where we're at. But we're still a new business. And you've been doing this a little longer than I have. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yes, um, I was a bit inspired by the software as a service model, where of course, you pay sort of a monthly subscription fee for your license. And it's kind of an all inclusive model. So we've developed something similar, especially since we work so much in tech. And so we call it talent as a service. And in this model, um, what we know is that our clients need help and want talent really quickly. They want to just pick up the phone and say, you know, I need a graphic designer tomorrow, or I need a project manager to jump in on a gap that I have. And so what we've offered them is we allow them to buy ongoing capacity with us. They're led by Alliance and Tigers account manager. And then we can add or swap in the right specialists really quickly. Um, And that kind of dynamic talent model has been very successful um, for the organizations we've partnered with. Um, I'll give you an example. We have a a team that we support and um, we have kind of a a fixed model with them. And we have, for instance, right now we have three project managers working on it. And then we added in a licensed psychologist to do some career coaching um, to help our clients consider how their current work was going to impact their long-term careers. And that little bit of ad has deepened our relationship and made us understand them so much more and them understand us. So now I know what my next set of talent needs to be to come in for the following quarter. So that kind of model has really afforded us these deep long-term relationships, even though the talent can be dynamic. So that's why this talent as a service model, I think has really caught on. That's awesome. And now are you focused on specific job roles or is it varied depending on what somebody might need? We've been really successful so far in all of the traditional business management categories. So marketing, of course, communications underneath that, project management, operations, finance, um, and then this this emerging coaching practice has been really powerful for us. So those are the categories that we've really spent the most time focusing on. I think you'll see other business lines emerging in the future. Great, great, great. Um, Can you share some lessons learned, leadership skills that you've learned 
uh, throughout your career that you would kind of give advice to our listeners who are really, you know, listening to you and saying, wow, this is, she's amazing. She's done all of these great things and really has forward thinking. What kinds of um, advice can you provide for our listeners? Mm. So for me, along all of the decisions I've made for myself and on behalf of others over the years, the thing that has um, really crystallized for me to help along that way is getting very clear on my values. Mm -hmm. Because my point in time of needs, you know, sometimes I want to work more, sometimes I want to work less, those things change. Sometimes I want to be in-house, sometimes I want to be a consultant. But the values that I hold remain fairly consistent. And the great joy that I've had now is to build a business based on those values. And that's why I say I've just never had such a privileged experience than building lions and tigers close to the values that I hold dear. And so for us, that's stewardship, being very mindful of how we spend our resources and our client dollars, wired for impact, which means that we're always focused on the highest return for our time intentional community, which means that we come together on purpose and for cause. And all of that, we think of an outcome, we call it fearless because we use that summation of the parts to try to drive us towards fearlessness. And so it just feels so good to be able to say yes and no to decisions based on that values framework that's taken me some time to develop and I'm sure it will continue to evolve but um, that's been the thing that has really broken through um, and been consistent across all of the decisions I've had to make up until now. Core values are critical to an organization's success and really uh, that's the way to drive your business once you understand what your core values are that's how you fire that's how you hire that's how you pick your customers that's <laughs> all right. of those things revolve around core values so it's great that you've identified them and nailed them uh, so concisely and down to three uh, which is really really important but it kind of encompasses the entire organization I love that that is great advice uh, any closing comments for our listeners yeah the, I think the last thing I would share is that I hope that your listeners right now will take a moment to pause and consider how we're all using our time because it is so precious and it's being seen in such a different way. And so I guess I would ask everyone a question of reflection, which is, are you doing what you love focused on the highest impact that you can make? It's a question I ask myself every morning. And if not, then maybe you consider a model like ours that hits at the core of that unmet need, because I do think we can be fearless about writing this future of work together. And if that resonates with you, I, welcome you to join this conversation with us on social media or on our website. I'd love to hear your story and understand, you know, what blockers you have or what experience you have, what questions are coming up for you and what kind of community you want to surround yourself with right now, because it's just so critical. So I hope that that's helpful, Jennifer. Those are some of the conversations my team has been having lately, um, but we'd love to be in community with you and your listeners as well. I love that. And yes, we definitely will put more information of how they can get in touch with you and your team and um, really connect this community together so that we can help each other. 
Bria, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Thank you. I really loved our time together. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. And please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it in person, virtual, on demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN podcast.